Welcome to Excel Leadership, an organization devoted to navigating enterprise on the high seas. Core values, core leadership, and core training. Dr. Bill Purvis is the leader of one of America's mega churches, a highly sought after motivational speaker, and founder and CEO of Excel Leadership. Businesses and industries today spend enormous amounts of money on training and wonder why they aren't seeing the results of these expenditures. Excel Leadership delivers results. Excel Leadership challenges you to grow in your personal life, leadership skills, and alignment of core values to achieve your maximum potential. Let's listen in as Bill speaks to a live audience of people just like you who are eager to grow in their leadership skills. Excited about our time together for those of you listening to the Excel Leadership. I'm with the staff today over in the San Destin Hilton Hotel in Destin, Florida. And we're here for an annual planning and problem solving time. And I'm really glad that you could join with us. And as we get started today, I'm going to take the first session to review some mistakes that I made early on in leadership. And I'm going to call them a top 10 mistakes. Now, the fact is I could come up with 100 mistakes I've made and uh, within the last week and probably 1,000 in the last year. But uh, we're only going to look at 10 today for time's sake and for the staff. I'm not going to show mercy to them. My hope is that somebody who's listening to this tape uh, and maybe making the same mistakes or somebody in this room that I'm talking to that may say, you know, that's, that's what I've done. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you on a journey and just give you the, the top 10 mistakes that I know I made. Now, they're not in order. None of these are mistakes that I made that, that I'd say this was the first one, this was the second one. The fact is I just pulled them out and said, let me write down how many mistakes I made, what I did when I did those mistakes, and, and my hope is that you will look at that and you will say, ah, that, that may be exactly where I've been and I need to, I need to grab some info from that. Uh, and the reason I do that is because I do believe that you never solve a problem until you see a problem. That's just kind of my philosophy in life that, that if, if you don't see it, you can't solve it. So you have to show people a problem before they'll solve it. You know, if you're in the Christian realm, you've got to show somebody they're lost before you can get them saved. In the business world or in the... Uh, in the leadership principles or in your job, you want to be looking for the problem. Not looking for how good we are, but looking for the problem. Because you can't fix anything that you won't admit exists. And so you have to see the problem before you solve the problem. And that's what I believe. So these are the 10 mistakes that I made that I never, I never saw on the front end. And so uh, let's get started. Uh, number one. I didn't understand the value of leadership. I, I just didn't understand it. When I first started in, uh, in, in, in work, uh, I just didn't understand the value at all of, of leadership. And, and what had happened was is that um, I had the gift, but I didn't realize the potential of it. Uh, it's true when they say this, everything rises and falls on leadership. If, if you can believe that, if you understand it, everything rises and falls on leadership, it does. Uh, look at every war we've had, every president that we've had. You look at every, every uh, great program that's existed. It, it all arose because somebody stood, stood up and took some leadership. The, the, uh, your family survives based on how strong the leadership is. Uh, your job is effective based on how good the leadership is. Your relationships are all determined by who takes the lead and, and what they put into it. Everything in life comes back to and is wired to leadership. When I first started out, 
with career and all. I, I didn't understand the value of leadership. And, and, uh, and so I, because I didn't connect the dots, uh, I, I didn't understand that, that basically uh, my life and my competence and all that was the reflection of my inability to understand leadership. So if I had to do it all over again, if you said, what would, what would you do if you did it over again? I would go back to as early as I could, and I would digest every leadership book, tape, CD that I could get my hands on. I would never go to bed a single night in my life without reading one, never. Uh, I've been doing that for the last probably 10 years, uh, that that I've just devoured them. But if I had it to do over again, I would have started at 18 years of age. In fact, right now I have three sons, and, and I pay them for reading leadership books. I won't pay them for taking out the garbage. That's their responsibility. They made the garbage. They take it out. Um, I don't pay them for, uh, for getting me a good grade in school. Fact is, that's just what they're supposed to do. If I'm going to spend all day, why not try to get good? But I pay them for every leadership book they, they read. And they'll walk in and say, Dad, I listened to this tape. I, I read this book, and I'll give them five bucks for every one they do. And, and I looked at all my books one day in the library and told one of my boys, said, fact is, is you, you can make a lot of money if you just sit in this room, shut the door, and read. And And... They have never read one that they hadn't been glad they read it, but it's got to be something that they see the value of as well. It's got to be internal. Number two, here's, a, here's one that I, a mistake that I made in the early days. I didn't know how to delegate to assistants or to other people. I just didn't know. Nobody taught me how to work with a secretary. Um, I had a lady named Dolores. Between the two of us, we could type 30 words an hour. Um, I just... I didn't know how. I mean, I walk in and said, Dolores, you know, I'm glad you're here and that's your job, whatever your job is. And I didn't understand how to, to uh, work with a secretary. Nobody taught me how to work with staff. Nobody taught me really how to, how to work with boards or committees and, and how to figure out the, the, the goal of them and the dynamic of them and, and that. And so because of that, I didn't understand how to give assignments or to work uh, effectively with people around me. And so I probably spent a lot of time at the same level for the early years. We grew a little bit, but we didn't grow like we could have because I didn't know how to work with the people around me. Uh, number three, I didn't understand the importance of strategy. I, I, that, that became something that one day the light clicked on, and I said, my soul and body, what, where have I been? Now, the more I tell you this, you're going to figure out, Man, that was a dumb guy. You know, you probably don't have any of these. You probably already have all these, but, but I didn't understand the importance of strategy. I, here's how I worked. I worked in a reactive mode. That was the way I worked. Uh, I, I, I literally, uh, I put out fires. I responded to the urgent. I waited for the phone to ring. Stupidest thing I ever did. But I waited for the telephone ring, and then I acted. Instead of me going in every day and saying, I've got to make 100 calls today, Instead of me going in and saying, I'm going to call through this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let their phone ring, I was, I was dumb, just totally dumb. I didn't initiate. I waited for it to ring before I responded. And you know what I, I tell you? I see this all the time. I see people that, that I meet making the same mistakes I make. They, they live in a fog. You know, I'll have people tell me sometimes, Pastor, can you teach me about leadership? And, and, and I, I realize if they, don't, if they don't have calluses on their finger from using a telephone, if they don't initiate, they're, they're living in the same place I was living in. And, and one day it dawned on me, hey, guess what? I can dial these numbers and they'll ring on the other end. And, and I can take my dreams, my plans, and, all that, and I, can, I can set them in motion. 
But I didn't understand that in the early days. Nobody talked. So I thought my job was to wait around for somebody to tell me what my job was, you know? You know, and I was willing. I had a good godly heart about that. You know, if they called me and told me they had a problem, I was ready and available to help them. But the problem was I was reactive instead of proactive. And, and that was a mistake that I made that I think took the edge off some. Um, number four was another one. Number four, I didn't know how to think. I didn't know how to think. Now, I thought small. I, and and these, there are different ways people think. I didn't know how to do any of this. I didn't think results. Uh, Stephen Covey, you know, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says something about always start a project with the end in mind. My, my way of saying that through all the years has been kind of my cheesy way is, what do you want? And I've said most people have the case of wants, don't know what they want. You've got to know what you want before you can start. Stephen Covey words it pretty well. He just start with the end in mind. Same, same thing, just different language. Uh, the, the, if you start with the end in mind, that helps you. But I didn't know how to do that. Um, I didn't think of the bottom line of what the end would look like. I didn't think through processes or strategies to achieve what I needed. I, didn't, I, I just didn't know. I was vague. I was foggy. I just kind of went to work, looked at some things I needed to do. Oh, if I, back in those days, we had, a, we had a mimeograph machine that ran off a bulletin, you know. And, and I thought the most important thing in the world was get out the bulletin, you know. I mean, I'd go in, I'd say, well, you know, this week people need to know what they're going to see and they need to know little things. So, okay, we're going to work on it. And I spent more time pouring ink in and cleaning and doing the bulletin. And that was my idea. That was what they paid me for. And, 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 and it never dawned on me, by the way, that you could have an entire service and not have to have a bulletin. You know, I, I just thought you couldn't have one if you didn't do that. So I lived with that small-minded thinking. I didn't think with focus. You know, I, I have some dear friends. I have one that is so multi-talented, he's unbelievable. Nothing in the world. I, I look at him and say, if I had his talent, skills, abilities, all that, I could get further than him. And he sat down with me and says, Bill, how come you're so much further than I am? And I get up earlier, I work harder, I work longer, I, I do all this. Why is the problem? And we were sitting there on my deck probably a month ago, and I said, there's one word. It's called focus. I can focus, that, but I didn't in the early days. The early days I didn't do that. Nowadays, I'm too focused. Nowadays, I have to, you know, you have to, you have to say the magic word to get me out of the, you know, hypnotism. Because it's almost like if I, if I got my goal on something, I'm oblivious that there's a world around. That's what we do. But in the early days, I didn't know how to focus. And if you don't know how to focus, it, it hurts you in the end. I didn't think with other people. I mean, when I think about just not knowing how to think, you're going to say, man, what did you think? Thought dumb, but... Um, I didn't know how to think with other people. I didn't know how to pull people together and say, let's everybody put our eyes on it. I always thought alone, you know. I said, and if I couldn't come up with the answer, I thought there was none. And I didn't realize the value of bringing other people to the table so they could help me think, and they would see things I didn't see, but I didn't understand that. Um, I, I didn't think of possibilities. What I mean by that is I, I didn't think there was more ways to do something. If Here's a, here's a thing I've learned. I'm not going to try to give you any answers to most of these. I'm just going to tell you this way I failed and leave the answers up to you. But, but I'll give you a couple of them and slip them in. Um, today, I'm probably the best optional thinker that, that, uh, in, in, in among my peers. I think options. There's a song that says, if you love someone, find 100 ways. I believe there's 100 ways to do any one job. I don't think there's 99 or 10 or 5. I think there's 100 ways to do it. Um, 
And I think there's options. But in the early days, I didn't know that. The early days, I was not an optional thinker. And so I only had one or two or two options. And, and I was even taught, Scooter teaches this, you know, there's the write out your options. You got A, B, and C. The fact is, I've learned that, that we go further than our alphabet can contain. The truth is, is there's many, many options if we're, if we're willing. But I didn't think that way. And so I didn't think it was my job to search for problems. I didn't think it was my job to... Uh, um, to uh, create options. I didn't think it was my job to bring solutions. I just didn't think it was my job. I thought somebody else was going to show up and do that. And I didn't know it was my job every day to walk in and to figure out, let's find the problems. Where was it broke? How do we fix it? Number five, zipping right through these, the, the top ten mistakes I made. This was dumb, but it's something that is common. I thought money or better tools were the answers to problems. That's why I thought money or better tools. Anytime there's a problem that I want to fix, I always thought, what well, if I had a better tool? If I had more technology, if I had more money. And, and if a problem arose, my first thought was to look for better equipment or money. And I didn't know anything about looking for options or creative ways to do things or using people and their brains as resources. You know what the problem was? I didn't know that people or ideas were considered resources. I didn't understand that. I was totally oblivious to that. What turned me around there was I went to the Disney management cl class taught by uh, the Disney leadership, and the guy got up and said, we do everything we do on a shoestring budget. He said, that's why Disney is so profitable. He said, we do not buy new equipment. We do not buy the most difficult. He said, if you walk in and see our equipment, you will be stunned at how antiquated it is. And he said, because equipment don't do anything, and it's only as good as the people behind it. And he said, now, you got good people. You can take a bad equipment, and you can always win. And then they said this. They said the difference between great leaders and poor leaders is poor leaders always think, if I had a better tool, I could do it. And they use this illustration. At that time, they had, uh, they had like uh, Greg Maddox was, was a great <laughs> pitcher and Chipper Jones was a great hitter. They said, uh, they said, let me be honest with you. Chipper Jones don't say, well, if you give me a better bat, I can, I can hit better. And Greg don't say, well, if you give me a better ball, I can pitch better. They said leaders can take the worst tool and go to the top. And bad leaders always blame the two. Always say, if you give me more money, I can do it better. And he said, anytime, now Disney's tougher than I am. Disney said, anytime somebody says, I need more money, fire them. And he said, you don't need somebody that needs more money. You need somebody who brings a brain to the table, who is creative. And he said, and they go to the top. Well, uh, that day, it kind of opened my eyes. I said, isn't that, that is the difference. I never realized the difference back then, but that was one. Number six. Number six was this. I didn't force myself to grow mentally. Somehow I just thought it would happen. You know, I, I wasn't intentional or disciplined or determined to grow mentally. A lot of us, and I did this, you stop growing when you get out of school. You know, you figure, I haven't read all the books, I'm going to read them. I'm not going to read anymore. And, and I didn't do that. I didn't listen to tapes consistently for personal growth. Um, and here's the crazy thing. I saw success in others. But I missed the clues that they left. Uh, they, they all had specific patterns and specific habits, and there was a common denominator about every one of them. But I was too ignorant, I guess, or, or blind, uh, maybe unteachable. But for whatever reason, I didn't connect the dots. I didn't go. Every leader out there has a certain set of habits they do every single day, and I didn't know that. I, I had no idea that every leader that you'll ever meet that has ever been successful is a voracious reader, 
or listens to tapes or, uh, or, or puts himself on a personal growth plan. And I didn't understand that. Now, I never meet a leader, never meet one, that I don't say, what are you reading, what are you listening to? And they just, they just come up with it. But back then, I never connected dots. They all looked different. They all acted different, but they were all successful. But I was missing. And, and you know what was bad was those common denominators about what they did for personal growth and mental growth were like a neon sign. I mean, Ray Charles could have seen the common denominator. And, and can I say this? He did. That's why he's successful. You know? I mean, Ray figured out, I got to be growing in these areas. I got to be learning and I got to be listening. And Ray, Ray Charles was smarter than me in that area because I didn't, I didn't catch it. Number seven, um, the seventh mistake that I made was I didn't ask the how question all the time. I didn't ask it. Uh, I wasn't as curious or totally driven as I should have been. I wasted time just getting by or settling for average or thinking good was acceptable. I thought, and here was a danger, I thought that having communication skills, because I could motivate. When I was in high school, my, I, there were times that, that maybe we may be down in points or something in a game, and the coach would call me over and say, Bill, boy, they need you. I could motivate. That was, I could communicate. I was so dumb. I thought that motivation and communication would somehow be enough to get you by in life until one day a guy put his arm around me about three years after I was, I was struggling. He put his arm around me, and he's one of the world's best communicators. I mean, the guy has written books. He, he can speak. He had a radio ministry. He put his arm around me. He said, Bill, the man that believes communication skills, his ability to talk, will get him anywhere. He said, he's a fool. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, you know who the best communicators in the world are? And I said, no. He, he said, carnival barkers. He said, guys that go to the fair and they yell, come over and play this game. Come over. He said, the guy that does that will never get anywhere. He said, he's got to learn. You've got to have some other tools in the basket and not rely on that one. And that was kind of the day that I figured out I'd been off base by a million miles. And, and so then I learned something. Let me tell you what I learned. I learned that communication is not just saying something. Communication is having something to say. You see the difference? That's why if you're in a room right now with 25 people and they say, talk to me about this subject, I read a book yesterday and a book the day before and a book the day before. I can tell you some things, not because I can just talk and hope it comes, but because I, I had to learn back then, put something in the well, and when they dip, the, when they dip their pot in there, they'll get something. And, and, and so communication is not saying something, it's having something to say. But that guy helped me that day to understand communication skills would never be enough. You had to put something in the bucket. Now, um, here's, the, here's the last two. I didn't work smarter or zealously at the beginning of a week when the pressure wasn't on. Okay? Now, maybe you've never made this mistake, but I would wait until the deadline came, and then I'd start working. You know, I'd wait until the pressure was on, until I was, I was motivated by the pressure, and uh, it created stress. It was poor management, poor time management, poor planning, it, burning the midnight oil longer than it should have been. And, and it was a new day when one day I said, you know, if I will work as hard on Monday getting things ready as I did on Friday, guess what? On Friday I can coast. And so I learned those days that, that I was killing myself coming in, not hitting the ground running, but coming in like, man, we're just going to rest. And, and that, was a, that was a big deal for me when I suddenly realized, hey, I, I get to choose when I can 
when I can give it 110% step on the gas and when I can coast. And, and I was doing it the wrong way. You know, I was gunning it down to the wire. And now I've found out people say, well, how, how can you walk in the door and, and be at ease? It's because behind the door early on the week, I was burning the midnight oil and doing the stuff then. And so you get to choose. That's why if some of you are, you're, if you're spending your last minutes catching up and you're always trying to catch up, learn to flip that. Don't, don't, don't make the mistake I made. The, uh, the, uh, the other thing I did, number nine, here was another. Now, you look at these mistakes, you say, man, that guy really was messed up. <laughs> and I was. I was totally messed up. I was not on the right track, and these were helping me to, to change. Number nine was this. I allowed and accepted excuses for poor performance. That, that's what I did. My performance was poor, but I, I had system failures, time management issues. You know, I was missing the mark, but I allowed and accepted excuses for it. And, and one day something hit me, and I, I was offended by it, but I needed to be. There was a guy named Theodore Vail. He was the uh, CEO of Ameritech, and I read this thing. He said, he said, there is no excuse for an excuse. And then he said, do you get that? There's no excuse ever for an excuse. And then he said, I don't think you got that. He was giving a speech. He said, there's never an excuse for an excuse. And then he said, okay, I said what y'all want me to say, and he left. And, and when he said that at that deal, I said, I, I, you know, I thought, well, that was short, quick, but what was it, the truth? And he made no excuse for leaving, you know? I mean, he just said his deal and, but what he said was true. There's never an excuse for an excuse. And when you live in that mindset, you're not looking for excuses. You're looking for ways to solve things. But before then, I had a way to make an excuse. And, and I didn't. And, and when you begin to accept excuses, I think it keeps you from striving to go to the top. Um, number, number 10 is uh, I didn't see the danger of my work habits. I thought if I solved little, mundane, daily problems occasionally, that things would work out. And I always thought, one day I'll catch up. You know? and, and, and I was like that treadmill, you know, on the thing, trying my best. Um, I was ignorant to the laws of excellence and execution in the little details. See, your devil is in the details. That, that's what will mess you up. It's the little things. And if you don't put excellence in the little things, you, you won't put it in the big things. I, I had a friend the other day who was talking about his, his friend. Uh, one of my sons actually was telling about his, his friend. He said, Dad, this one kid was trying to show off, and he threw some pennies in a garbage can. He said, I don't need change. Throw it in the garbage can. And he said, my other friend over there dove in the garbage can and was trying to get the pennies out. And, uh, and I said, that, that, that kid running in the, in the garbage can, he'll, he'll have pennies one day. And the one throwing them away won't. You know why? Because he's, he's, he's already decided I'm not going to let the little things get by. If you, if, you, if you do excellence in the little things, it'll show up. If you're listening to a borrowed copy of this lesson, consider becoming an Excel Leadership member. Visit our website at www.xl-leadership.com. That's xcel-leadership.com. Or call 1-800-474-9235. Each month, you'll receive an audio lesson, informative lesson outlines, an attractive library quality storage binder to organize your material, plus an opportunity to purchase Excel Leadership Mentoring Tools at a discount. Don't miss out on future lessons. Contact Excel Leadership today at www.xl-leadership.com. Excel Leadership, providing you with professional leadership training.